Welcome back to Ascend Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19 reads, And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? They said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about twelve men in all. And he entered the synagogue, and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greek. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Siva were doing this, but the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices, and a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all, and they counted the value of them and found it to come to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Now after these events, Paul resolved in the Spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must go also to see Rome. And having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. About that time there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought no little business to the craftsmen. These he gathered together with the workmen in similar trades, and said, Men, you know that from this business we have our wealth, and you see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people, saying that the gods made with hands are not gods. And there is danger not only in this trade of ours may come into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing, and that she may be deposed from her magnificence, she whom all Asia and the world worship. When they heard this, they were enraged and were crying out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. So the city was filled with confusion. And they rushed together into the theater, dragging with them Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians who were Paul's companions in travel. But when Paul wished to go in among the crowd, the disciples would not let him. And even some of the Asiarchs, who were friends of his, sent to him and were urging him not to venture into the theater. Now some cried out one thing, some another, for the assembly was in confusion, and most of them did not know why they had come together. Some of the crowd prompted Alexander, whom the Jews had put forward, and Alexander, motioning with his hand, wanted to make a defense to the crowd. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, for about two hours they all cried out with one voice, Greatest Artemis of the Ephesians. 
And when the town clerk had quieted the crowd, he said, Men of Ephesus, who is there who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is the temple keeper of the great Artemis and of the sacred stone that fell from the sky? Seeing then that these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rash. For you have brought these men here who were neither sacrilegious nor blasphemers of our goddess. If therefore Demetrius and the craftsmen with him have a complaint against anyone, the courts are open and there are proconsuls. Let them bring charges against one another. But if you seek anything further, it shall be settled in the regular assembly. For we really are in danger of being charged with rioting today, since there is no cause that we can give to justify this commotion. And when he had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. For today's nugget of truth, we're going to take this a little bit different than what we normally do. And today we're going to talk about kind of a higher level thing that we see in the scriptures. That's that some scriptures are descriptive of what is taking place and some scriptures are prescriptive or are asking us to follow a general order that is laid out in them. And so this passage today, Acts 19, is a great example of something that is descriptive about the time and what's taking place. A lot of times we see that in these narrative passages. They're simply describing what takes place. Now in some of those, we can find principles or practices that we're supposed to be called to do and that we are to do in obedience to God and what's taking place. But this passage has several different things that pop out that display to us a specific thing that was happening at that time, and they're more descriptive in nature than actually asking us to follow or pattern our lives after what's taking place. We can see that in several places here. So in the first is Paul is going to Ephesus, and he goes and he reaches out to these people, and he shares with them the true baptism that takes place, and imparts on them the Holy Spirit, we see that they speak in tongues. When we think about that, it's a descriptive nature of what is taking place. What actually historically happened is recorded in the scriptures for us. We see and we read through that. But there is no command telling us to do likewise with certain aspects of that that we find in the rest of the scriptures. There's no command telling us to lay upon our hands to impart the Holy Spirit to other people or anything like that. There are commands for us to go and to disciple and baptize people, and we would follow that, but it would not be the total pattern of what's taking place in this part of the scriptures. The next crazy little thing that we see that's taking place is here we see that God is doing many miracles by the hands of Paul. Verse 11 says that. So they're collecting articles of clothing or things that have touched him, and they're using those to heal other people's diseases. That's kind of a crazy thing that's taking place. But when we look back at church history, we also see that they've collected relics or even body parts or bones from disciples or saints that they use and they take, and historically people have gone and prayed to and pilgrimage to in an effort to have a sickness or a disease healed from them or some other person. So we see some people take that as a sort of prescriptive event and something that they should be doing instead of understanding that it's being a description of what was taking place at this time. That God is not saying, do this, collect these articles or these relics from these individuals and use them to heal diseases from those people. Because when we look at the greater scheme of what's taking place, this 
was to validate the messengers at the time. And they're no longer using that in our current system of how we understand that God is working. He's not needing us to understand a new revelation or a new transformation of the scriptures that takes place as he extends from the Old Testament to the New Testament because of what's taken place with Jesus on the cross. And so as we walk through this too, we see there are so many other things that are taking place that in the Bible are actually just descriptions of something and not actually ways in which we're supposed to pattern our lives after what we read. So hopefully that's helpful as you're studying through the scriptures and you're trying to grasp what am I supposed to do with certain passages that I read. That gives us a little bit of insight into one of the approaches that we should be taking to them. As far as a question for today, the big question that I want to answer is, what's up in verse 13 here where it says, Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. They just casually state, hey, there's some of these itinerant Jewish exorcists. What is that all about? It's actually interesting as you look into this a little bit more that there are actually people who think that Jesus was a person like this who was going around and making money off of his ability to command power over these spirits. And so there's actually a lot written in the Jewish Midrash about the possibility and the ability of rabbis or teachers or other people to purify themselves and to cast out demons in certain names and certain power. And so we've talked previously here about the importance of understanding someone's name and then that having the power over those different things. Here, especially in the book of Acts, we see the power in the name of Jesus. We see here in our passage that these people are trying to do the same thing in the name of Paul, but when Paul is casting out demons and doing these things, he's doing it in the name of Jesus. And so that's kind of the confrontation that these demons give to him in this passage. But these people would have been traveling around and making money off of the ability that they had to cause these spirits to be either moved out of it certain individuals or taken away altogether. And so we need to remember that demons are real. There is a spiritual reality of things that we don't see around us at all times. We may not understand them to be working in the same function that they were at this time. And we need to understand that in the same way angels are real and they continue to be ministering on behalf of the Lord. But when we read through these passages and we see them just say things that are just casually stated and there seems to be a greater understanding, it's important for us to look in at what's going on here. So with these traveling people coming along trying to make money off of the power that they could possess over these spirits. And they were using some of the teaching of the time. They were using different things that other people had written down and in some way trying to claim power over those. And often, as we see in many times, people that are dealing with these things, they're kind of charlatans and they're not necessarily always fully invested in what they're actually doing, but are more trying to make money off of what's taking place. And so that's why these individuals are ultimately unsuccessful. They're not truly ministering on behalf of the Lord, but instead they're looking for their own selfish interests and they're trying to do that on this path. And so as you read through that, maybe you had another question. That's one that I just always think, hey, this is crazy. Like, where are these people from? We haven't come across them anywhere else in the scriptures, really. We haven't seen other people coming and trying to cast out demons and 
doing that for a profession or even doing that in the temple or different places like that. So that's what I wanted to look into today. But hopefully you have your own passage in mind out of here that you're going to look into, that you're going to answer a question, maybe about a practice that you're seeing described here, maybe about a theological implication of that or some of the other things that you read here. Hopefully you're seeking to understand that in a greater sense. And hopefully as you do that, it creates and instills a greater love and a greater passion for you to desire and to follow after the Lord. Know today you were loved.